You're listening to Dose of Depth Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Lukovich, and I invite you to be curious about your unique experience of being human. In this podcast, we'll explore the deeper meaning of ordinary life experiences through conversation, stories, and education. You might have a serious aha moment, or you might just be amused by the movie your life seems to be imitating, or you might just be entertained by one of my awkward stories. I'm hoping you'll become more aware of those moments when a deeper part of you is prompting you to see things differently and maybe even go a new direction. So let's get started. In this episode, I continue reading from my book, Your Soul is Talking. Are you listening? Five Steps to Uncovering Your Hidden Purpose. In the book, I teach the language of the unconscious, how it speaks, how to decode and find meaning in the messages, and a little kick in the butt to make sure you take steps to apply these insights to your life. I weave in personal stories from all the stages of my midlife so far, unraveling, reconstruction, healing personal wounds related to sexuality and spirituality, and the anxiety of living life in a completely new way. My awkward and vulnerable stories are sprinkled with humor, and my recent new sense of clarity about my life feels exhilarating. Finally, getting through the stage full of anxiety and fear was tough, but I hung in there. In chapter five, I get you thinking about the larger forces that shape you. We tend to think we know who we are and why we believe what we believe, but our lives exist within the context of the collective. You carry patterns of thinking and behaving that are rooted in childhood. And your ancestral patterns are rooted in even larger forces. And even globally, we exist within social organizing systems that are beyond our control and have shaped our assumptions about many things. This chapter offers newer theories based on research that has not trickled down to the mainstream. Pay attention to moments of defensiveness or automatic dismissal of what you read, and take this as an opportunity to sharpen your critical thinking skills and explore the source of potential resistance. There's treasure there and a more nuanced and sophisticated understanding of yourself and the world waiting for you. Let's get started. Chapter 5, The Forces That Shape You. This chapter provides a larger context for your journey. You may think you have been charting your own course, but you have had less control of your life than you think. Only now can I appreciate the complexity of coming of age in the 1980s. It was a time of great progress for women in many ways, but the excitement of new possibilities was matched by an angry resistance expressed in political movements that found righteous validation in oppressive interpretations of religious doctrine. The impact on women of being demonized as family wreckers and sexual deviants simply because they desired control over their lives deserves more attention. Somehow, in between work and college, I found time to immerse myself in everything feminist, legal perspectives, theology, literature, and public policy. I couldn't relate to the stories of the post-World War II generation of white suburban middle-class women presented in Betty Friedan's book, The Feminine Mystique, but I found sisterhood with women who felt stifled by a system that desperately worked to secure their permission to be oppressed. Reading Rian Eisler's book, The Chalice and the Blade, blew my mind. I had mistakenly trusted that the history I had learned was objectively presented, 
not simply words meant to reinforce a narrative that privileged some over others. Sharing my insights. Not until midlife unraveling did I realize my life had been driven by an instinct for freedom and that it had shown itself in different ways as I zipped through life. The childhood part of my life had been consumed by freedom from the burden of proving my mother was a good mother. Skipping into adulthood with optimism and certainty that only I would determine the course of my life reflected my new drive towards self-determination, freedom to do things. I felt exhilarated as I freely pursued life goals like education and career, not worrying about what anyone thought of me. I worked in a male-dominated field, I found my voice as a feminist activist, and I felt free to have sex. Even within the convention of marriage, I felt free to adapt it to fit my values, resisting the oppressive symbolism of the contract that was designed to achieve aims that most never contemplated. My husband and I walked ourselves down the aisle as partners. It turns out I wasn't as free as I thought I had been. These days, my instinct for freedom feels more like a journey to circle back to what being felt like before I was corrupted by convention and other people's ideas about what I ought to be and do. Circling back implies returning to a place you left, so leaving is part of the deal. Could it be that without the journey I have already taken, the inspiration to return home might not have arisen? Try this. This is your first opportunity to gather intelligence about your inner world. Journal your reflections about cultural norms that have shaped the beliefs you hold about yourself and others. What assumptions about humanity are these beliefs rooted in? Do you believe people are poor because they deserve to be poor? Do you believe your values are better than those of younger generations? How do you define work ethic and where did that come from? Have you ever questioned the assumptions your parents hold about other people? And what happened when you did? Do you find yourself judging the way other people parent or live their lives? And what does that reveal about you? What does individual freedom mean to you? And how do you square that with personal and collective responsibility? The danger of groups. What about belief systems that oppress their own believers? What happens when you realize you're wrong about the assumptions you've made about yourself or other people? What do you do about it? The process by which beliefs develop seems logical, and those beliefs help people make sense of the world in which they live. But what we cannot tolerate about ourselves is projected onto others. One experience has an effect, and then another experience is interpreted through that lens, and then another and another until we are unable to see through a different lens. Perhaps you simply never questioned the beliefs handed to you as a child. Belief systems make sense to the believer even if it is irrational to others or even destructive. As beliefs are passed down, it is easier to accept them instead of reflecting about whether they make sense anymore. Jung suggested our psychic DNA includes an instinctual religious attitude, a need to connect with a higher authority, to make judgments that oppose extreme mass-minded ideas. He suggested that it was not necessarily religion that people were turning away from, but a rejection of empty words in favor of seeking of a more effective means to connect with one's inner authority. If you do not reflect about whether what you believe makes sense, then when there are events that feel overwhelming, you may be tempted to project blame only onto others. This brings temporary relief, but it further erodes your capacity to challenge mass-minded and extreme ideas. 
Soon you could find yourself latching onto a movement or ideology that contradicts your own values. Sharing my insights. When I was in college, I stated to others that I didn't need the reward of heaven or the threat of hell to determine that the survival and evolution of humanity depended upon notions of equality, compassion, and collaboration. Where did I get that idea from? At that point in my life, I had a beginner feminist lens and my intuition. My family had not been religious, but I had attended three years at a Catholic elementary school where I felt unconditional love. But the oppressive interpretation of biblical beliefs that was presented in my college theology courses made no sense to me. The professors refused to explore my questions because they felt I was challenging their Christian beliefs, which I wasn't, demonstrated a childlike level of spirituality in my view. But why did I care? What prompted me to challenge the college professor? Something in me had to ask questions. When have you disrupted the status quo, and where did you get the courage and conviction to resist those who exercise power over your mind? Patriarchy, systems of domination. Understanding the larger forces that have shaped you and how you see your place in the larger community is helpful in making sense of opposing forces in your unconscious. Reflecting about this will help you hear the messages your soul is sending. The highest level of convention comes in the form of the model of social organization under which we live, patriarchy, a system of domination, hierarchy, and ranking. Other systems exist within this model, unfettered capitalism, for example. Patriarchy survives by inflicting trauma through violence that comes in many forms, including extreme economic inequality, sexual violence and attempts to control women's bodies, environmental catastrophes, and inequities in health and infant mortality. In her book, Sacred Pleasure, Sex, Myth, and the Politics of the Body, New Paths to Power and Love, cultural historian and system scientist Rianne Eisler presents theories based on new evidence showing that patriarchy, which she refers to as a dominator model of social organization, did not always exist, nor did it likely develop as a natural part of evolution. It is now thought that the system of hierarchy and ranking originated in areas of the globe that were harsh and caused great physical and psychological trauma to those who eventually migrated to other areas of the globe. These hierarchical societies, which were forced to survive in scarce environments, aggressively expanded and sustained themselves through the institutionalization of trauma. As increased consciousness grows, patriarchal systems react to the threat in increasingly extreme and irrational ways, reflecting the dominator model's desperation to survive. The mostly quiet rebellion seems to have taken hold, however, and the tension between pure capitalism, for example, where profit is the only lens, and other models that also consider values such as human dignity, sustainability, and racial equity, reflect an evolutionary push towards increased human consciousness. Fear of vulnerability. In her book, Why Does Patriarchy Persist? American feminist, ethicist, and psychologist Carol Gilligan views patriarchy today more as a system of hierarchy than an attempt by men to control women, and that there now is in place a psychological need to maintain patriarchy. The author suggests that patriarchy persists as a defense mechanism against the risks associated with vulnerability and intimate connection. The system of patriarchy requires the denial of the need for relationship to maintain its focus on hierarchy, 
and it requires the cooperation of those who are ranked lower. Capitalism without constraints is a one-sided patriarchal system where the denial of relationship allows for the prioritizing of profit over human life. Loss of life due to unsafe products and disasters caused by deregulation are accepted as collateral damage in a free market system, and hyperconsumerism is a brilliant system of gaining permission by the oppressed for their own oppression. Dr. Brene Brown, a research professor and author of five number one New York Times bestselling books, is recognized for her landmark research on shame and vulnerability. All three scholars I reference here point to new evidence that suggests human beings are hardwired for relatedness and that the emergence of romantic love and pleasure are evolutionary forces. Brown's two decades of research highlight that the danger of a one-sided masculine-focused society, masculine not defined as male, is a severely diminished capacity for vulnerability and empathy, which are required for deep connection a hardwired need in human beings. Reflection questions. How are you participating in this push and pull? How have your assumptions and values changed over time or haven't they? Lost men and the wounded masculine. Both women and men and those who do not identify with gender have been harmed by patriarchy. Men are victims of patriarchy because external validation depends on establishing their dominance over someone or something, including women, queer men and men of color, and men defined as weak. To be considered successful in this wounded masculine culture, women also must establish dominance over someone. Usually other women and at the bottom are placed women of color, people of all colors who live in poverty and immigrants. Partnership, equality, friendships, and diversity in general are threats to patriarchy, which works hard to ensure we all have an enemy to distract us from the actual enemy of patriarchy. Overcoming this oppressive system is difficult because it requires a collective and voluntary willingness to give up a false sense of identity that continues to be propped up for no logical reason, our own sense of entitlement. Women who have developed their masculine at the expense of their feminine feed into this model when they rank themselves over other women or others defined as inferior. Many women today are as misogynistic as some men. For other women, self-determination and loving their man feels mutually exclusive. I have an appreciation for the suffering of men and respect for the growing number of people who embody a healthier balance of the feminine and masculine. The movement towards detaching from gender completely reflects an unleashed desire from the collective unconscious to dismantle systems of hierarchy. And the desperation to cling to these systems of dominance fuels violent rhetoric and acts targeted towards people who symbolize and embody the beginning of the end of patriarchy. Many men of the so-called millennial generation are challenging the assumption that the masculine is naturally hierarchical and aggressive and those who seek to transcend gender are living the battle in their inner world. They can be seen as a mirror being held up to the rest of the world to prompt new levels of tolerance, seeking expression from the collective unconscious. Visit DebraLukovich.com to read my blog post titled, It Ain't Easy Being a Man Either. Can Christianity Transcend Patriarchy? The development of Christian doctrine coincided with the aggressive expansion of the dominator model of social organization. 
offering righteous validation for its oppressive systems and violence towards an expanding number of groups seen to be inferior. From the start, there was resistance to the patriarchal domination of evolving Christian doctrine. In her book, Women and Redemption, A Theological History, Professor of Feminist Theology Rosemary Radford Ruther traces the history of feminist attempts to resist the one-sided interpretation that subordinated the feminine, women, the body, and nature. If Christianity does not evolve into a more inclusive framework, its membership will continue to decline. Reflection Questions Do you have challenges reconciling tolerance, empathy, compassion, and inclusion with your religious faith? Have you found a way to contribute to the evolution of your religious faith? This is leading somewhere, I promise. Personal experiences are only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to exploring the source of our demons and inner opposition. There is a larger framework in which our personal, family, and ancestral wounds exist. As you explore your personal unconscious, you will be able to see your personal psychology within the context of the other groups of which you are a member. These groups include your immediate and expanded family, your ancestry, your ancestors' country of origin, and that's only the beginning. Because patriarchy relies on hierarchy and ranking, the system thrives on finding new creative ways to label, categorize, and separate people. Categories like rural, urban, and suburban, white-collar and blue-collar, college-educated and non-college-educated. Patriarchy thrives on luring people to project onto others what is difficult to understand and labeling it bad or inferior. More reflection questions. What other categories do you find yourself referring to? How do you use categories to prop yourself up? Pleasure as sacred. One way patriarchy institutionalized division was by denigrating the once revered feminine and then projecting it onto nature, women, women's bodies, and women's sexuality, all labeled as inferior. At the same time, patriarchy, in partnership with those who were shaping Christian doctrine, elevated the masculine and assigned it onto men as a gender. The union between feminine and masculine, along with the goddess, were violently displaced in favor of the masculine in form of the monotheistic god. Before the emergence of patriarchy, there were more partnership-oriented societies where the feminine and masculine were equally revered and where women were not subordinate to men. There was a time when women's bodies and sexuality were seen as critical to uniting with the divine. In my own journey to come into a deeper relationship with myself, Reuniting with my body and sexuality was an important part of achieving balance between my inner feminine and masculine, and then connecting with a transcendent force, what some call God. Because the masculine and feminine have been defined for so long within a hierarchical system, it is unclear what is naturally feminine or masculine. The evolution of relationship between the masculine and feminine playing out within individuals is reflected in movements that value feminine qualities and a balance of both. These movements include alternative forms of spirituality, a growing appreciation for right-brained and introverted people, sustainability practices, and a focus on social, emotional, and ethical intelligence. A more balanced notion of human values versus feminine or masculine values is emerging. Just as women can be seen to have been over-domesticated by culture, men have been desensitized, trained, and rewarded for being dominators or shamed for having a more balanced approach to life. In today's culture, where I suspect most men support women's right to self-determination, 
if women's progress is mutually exclusive of men's self-worth, then men are put in a difficult situation psychologically. And how do women or marginalized people press forward in their quest for self-determination in a way that is not mutually exclusive of respect for the others who are perceived to be the source of oppression? Visit DebraLukovich.com to read my blog post titled Sex, God, and Transcending Patriarchy. Try this. Sometimes you're called to contribute to the evolution of humanity, and it is never easy because it always requires challenge and convention. Reflect and journal about the times you were in a situation and felt called to challenge the status quo, or when you felt unable to transcend the status quo. Are you the peacemaker, the disruptor? Are you silent at times when you should speak up? And why do you think that is? When did you come across something that blew up your assumptions about life or about others? The beliefs we are most attached to are probably the ones that need the most examination. Keep working to find patterns, meaning, and new ways of thinking you want to try out. This chapter encourages you to appreciate the larger forces that have influenced your psychological development. This can be an empowering lens through which to view future choices. If you are interested in reading my research, you can download a PDF at DebraLukovich.com. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 5 and will stay tuned for what comes next. And if you're anxious to learn more sooner, I'd love for you to purchase a paperback. There's a link in the description box along with one to my website, DebraLukovich.com. Thanks for listening and sharing with others who need my framework for self-reflection. Until next time. I'm your host, Deborah Lukovich, and you are listening to Dose of Depth Podcast. To get updates on new episodes, my writing, and how I teach my clients to get to know that deeper part of themselves, go to DebraLukovich.com. Oh, and if you're not ready for a coach, learn what my clients know in my book, Your Soul is Talking. Are you listening? Five Steps to Uncovering Your Hidden Purpose. You can check it out on my website or get it on Amazon.